when we think of the beginning of the Christmas story, to where do our minds turn? Perhaps many of us think of Joseph and Mary journeying into Bethlehem, where she gave birth to Jesus and laid him in a manger. Others may think of Joseph getting ready to divorce his pregnant fiance, but then after having those second thoughts, he's visited by an angel in his dream who says, don't worry, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. What is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit and of God. Still others may go back to the angel Gabriel visiting the Virgin Mary and telling her that through the Holy Spirit and the power of God, she would give birth to a son and name him Jesus and that he would be called the Son of God. There may be a very few of us, however, that think back to the angel visiting Zechariah in the temple and telling him that his barren wife would give birth to a son to be named John who would go in the spirit and power of Elijah to prepare a way for Jesus, our Lord. But I doubt that anyone would go as far back as the Apostle John does. He makes it clear that Jesus didn't simply just show up on the scene some 2,000 years ago. Jesus' story goes for John back much further than that, and it does for us as well. As a matter of fact, the Christmas story for John begins not with Jesus' birth here on earth, but with his eternal existence prior to even creation. John says in John 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. When we look at our Bibles at the scripture, we notice the English translators have capitalized the letter W in the word word. In order to help us to know that and understand that John is talking about someone special and not just a simple ordinary word the word was in the beginning he says in other words the word was not created the word always was and being that the word always was he was also with god in the beginning not only that the word was god john tells us keeping up <laughs> the word was not a separate god from God. Don't miss that. Because the Word and God are one in the same. Some of us may be asking, how can John say that the Word was with God and that he and God were one at the same time? Even though God and God the Word are one in being, they are three distinct persons. This hints at one of the core doctrines of our faith known as the trinity you see god is one god who exists eternally in three persons god the father god the son and god the holy spirit some muslims mistakenly think that christians believe in multiple gods but we believe only in the one true god 
who exists and reveals himself in three persons, who often function in distinct ways. In creation, God the Father spoke the universe into being, but it was through God the Son, Jesus Christ, or the Word, as John calls him, that the universe was made. And as he said in verse 3, through the word, all things were made, and without him, nothing was made that has been made. Meanwhile, Genesis 1, 2 tells us that God, the Holy Spirit, was actively hovering over the waters at the beginning of creation. You see, God made the universe, but was actively involved in the creative process through three distinct persons. Now, we don't have any time to go any deeper into this this morning, but let me just say that this is not religious double talk. To say that God is one in being, but three in persons is not a contradiction. We're not saying that God is both one being and three beings at the same time. We're not saying that he is one God and three gods at the same time. Nor are we saying that he is both one person and three persons at the same time. That would be religious double talk. To say that God is the one true God who exists in three persons, however, is not a contradiction, but instead is a mysterious truth that our finite minds are unable to fully wrap themselves around. Imagine that. Our finite minds cannot fully comprehend the infinite God. Personally, I am a little bit suspicious of anybody out there, no matter what kind of degrees they have, that think they have God all figured out. And they put him in a nice little organized box. I tend to think like King David in the Old Testament in Psalm 145, 3, according to the New Century Version, where he said, The Lord is great and worthy of our praise. No one can understand how great he is. And this brings us to our little brief outline in our meditation this morning. The Christmas story, according to John, gives the word eternal cred. Uh, Yes, I'm going slang on you this morning. Cred is short for the word credibility. And credibility is something someone has when they're worthy of trust and respect. And that Jesus, the word, is definitely that. And so getting back to our outline, the Christmas story, according to John, gives the word eternal cred, demonstrating Jesus' divine involvement in God's creation of the universe. Creation of the universe. Think about it. God the Son, who always was, and through whom all things were made, was humbly born a baby, fully God and fully human, and placed in a manger. That's a great and mysterious truth when we stop long enough to think about it. And that makes the word incarnate worthy of our praise. Secondly, the Christmas story, according to John, gives the word eternal cred, demonstrating Jesus' divine involvement in God's revelation to humanity. Revelation to humanity. 
of all the words that John could have used to describe Jesus here, why would he specifically use the word, word? We've already seen that the word is closely associated with creation. In the Old Testament, the word is also closely connected to those times when God revealed himself and his will to the prophets. For instance, Jeremiah 1.4, the word of the Lord came to me. Ezekiel 33, verses 1 and 7, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning for me. But something amazing takes place when we get to the New Testament with Christ coming. Hebrews chapter 1 says, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Jesus is God's word incarnate. Or as John says in chapter 1, verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only who, is, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. In other words, if we want to know God and what he is like and what he wants, we can look to whom? The word. To Jesus, who is the perfect embodiment of God. God reveals himself today, not just through his spoken word, as great as that is, but through his very own Son. Think about it. The glorious God, the Son, full of grace and truth. The one who in Revelation twenty-two thirteen proclaimed himself to be the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. The one through whom the universe was made was humbly born a baby, fully God and fully human, and placed in a food trough for animals. He is great and worthy of our praise. Thirdly, the Christmas story, according to John, gives the word eternal cred, demonstrating Jesus' divine involvement in God's engagement with humanity. Engagement with humanity. God loves us so much that he wants to personally relate to each and every one of us. So much so that he was willing to become one of us. He would experience firsthand hunger and thirst. You, can you imagine what that was like for him? Hunger and thirst? Heartache and pain? He got tired, could be disappointed. His brain, think about this, the God of the universe, 
His brain went through the development from child to youth to adult. He would experience the sting of slander, the blow of betrayal, and the frustration of being misunderstood. That's why in Hebrews 4.15, according to the contemporary English version, he could write, Jesus understands every weakness of ours because he was tempted in every way that we are. But he did not sin. When we go to God with our joys and our sorrows, with our triumphs and our trials, with our strengths and our weaknesses, we can rest assured sure, that he understands, not just cognitively, but personally, not just with his head, but with his heart. And we all know what a difference that makes. Don't miss this. The glorious God, the Son, full of grace and truth, who always was, is, and will be, the one through whom the universe was made, was humbly born a baby, fully God and fully human, placed in a food trough for animals, and would one day have to learn to walk. But even in doing so, there was one thing that remained that prevented our Heavenly Father from relating personally to us. It's what we call sin. In Isaiah 59 verse 2, he says, God says, Your iniquities, another word for sin, have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. This brings us to our fourth and final point. The Christmas story, according to John, gives the, eternal, the word eternal cred, demonstrating Jesus' divine involvement in God's deliverance of humanity. Deliverance of humanity. When you look back to Psalm 107, verse 20, we see that his word is closely associated with his salvation and deliverance. There we read, He sent forth His word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Today we are all fatally sick with sin and in desperate need of healing in more ways than we often realize. And without His intervention, we are destined to die. As Paul wrote in Romans six twenty three. For the wages of sin is death, but here we get the Christmas. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hear now the good news of Christmas. Our glorious God the Son, full of grace and truth, who always was is and will always will be the one through whom the universe was made was humbly born a baby fully god and fully human 
placed in a food trough for animals and would one day have to learn the walk so that later he could carry a cross on which he would die the death that each of us here deserves so that we might be forgiven and share eternal life with him personally and intimately. That's what we look forward to celebrating during this Advent season. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you so much for Jesus and the precious gift that he is. Help us to never lose the wonder and the awe that those people first experienced on that first Christmas day and night. Help us to not have to see an angel coming out of heaven for us to sing with all our hearts and give praise and share this good news with others. Fill us with your joy, for you have given us a great and wonderful worthy of praise son and we stand amazed in his presence here today in jesus name amen